Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. All right, welcome into the program. Another week, another trade. So another another two-round mock draft crafted by Luke Easterling, man. This is this is the life, isn't it, man? You were just telling me last week, it must feel like every time you hit publish, you got to start all over again, but that's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing, man, and, uh, you know, I love what I do, and it's a darn good thing because when uh, on a week like this, you saw I put out two different ones back-to-back days. I, I did one where it was a couple of rounds and no trades, and then obviously now we're getting to the point where you can't really project what's going to happen, especially in the first round if you're not going to dip into the trade waters, right? So right. Uh, we've already had a few. I projected six more in the first round, which I think for the last three or four years, that's been the average, basically. That's how many t- trades we usually see in the first round now. That's pretty normal. So, uh, you know, quarterbacks drive everything. We've already seen, uh, like we've talked about before, the 49ers have kind of set the table with that. Obviously, now that makes the Falcons pick at number four. The next spot, if you want a quarterback to have to get to, it's. I, I think the fun part is that we actually have quarterback prospects this year that are worth all those spots, I yeah, think. Totally, so totally. It, it doesn't feel like many of those guys are going to be a reach. No doubt. It really does feel like this thing could get wild. And, I mean, you even have Belichick and my Patriots going from number 15 up to that Atlanta pick that you were talking about at number four to draft Justin Fields in one of your latest mock drafts. And, oh, wouldn't that be sweet? The Patriots and the Bucks they play each other this year. We'd have that Brady versus Belichick thing. Oh, my God, I'm here for it. I would love every single second of that. But speaking of the Super Bowl champs, a player that you've been mocking to the Bucks at number 32 often, Luke, is stud Alabama running back Najee Harris. And I got to tell you, I've, I've loved me some Najee Harris ever since I saw that clip of him saying that uh, Todd McShay can kiss my ass. Um, so I like me some Najee Harris. And he's also a freaking beast um, and would just, you know, kind of fit the narrative of the Bucks going all in, going for um, going for another run at the Super Bowl, too. But what do you think about the Bucks? Where they're at there at 32, maybe Harris falling to them, that would be pretty sweet. But also, maybe they stay aggressive, stay with this narrative that we're, we're going for it, and move up if they see a guy they really want. Like a corner, or if somebody slips to them right into the early 20s, mid-20s, and they want to move up. Maybe the Bucks do something like that. You see anything like that coming? Yeah, I think so. And I think one one aspect of that that makes me, made me feel that way is that We've talked about it before. Everybody's coming back for the most part. And what that does is tell you there's not a whole lot of roster spots up for sale here. You know, so the Bucks are going into this draft without many, you know, open spots and with eight draft picks total in this. So I I easily think that Jason White could be looking at this situation and saying, I don't have eight spots. And so if you're going to spend draft picks on guys, you know, might not make the team. I think you're much better off using those picks to move up in the first round and get a better prospect and, and a guy that you think could be a difference maker. So I, I think that's really the biggest reason why I wanted to explore that in my latest mock draft. You know, who is a t- who is a kind of player, what position, who would have to fall into that range to make the Bucks make that jump? And in that in that mock, I had them going up for Jalen Phillips, who's yes. A very controversial prospect, not because of anything off the field, but because he's had a, a history of concussions. And obviously that's very, you got to be careful with that in terms of health. So I think he's the type of guy who could be completely off some teams boards just because of the medicals. Uh, but he could also be easily a top 10 player and the top edge rusher on a lot of other boards. If the doctors, you know, for your team clear him because he's that 
talented of a player. He's huge. He's got the long arms. He's incredibly athletic and explosive. He can drop into coverage. He can do all those things that I think Todd Bowles would ask him to do. And again, you just re-signed Shaq Bear for four years, but Jason Pierre-Paul's going into the last year of his deal. He is 32. He's had the knee injury nagging at him. He just had surgery again on it this offseason. They got Anthony Nelson behind them, a fourth-round pick from a couple years ago, and that's about it. So pass rusher is obviously some, you know, the most important defensive position in the game, and the Bucks just proved what happens when you have a bunch of good ones in the Super Bowl, obviously. So I think reloading that position – and if they identify a guy, maybe it's not Phillips. Maybe it is Ojalari. Maybe it's, you know, somebody else. But that's the position. I don't think I'd see them trading up in the first round for a running back necessarily. If you if you remember in that mock draft, I actually had Buck fans not very thrilled with the fact that I had Atlanta trading back down to 15 with New England, and they get Najee Harris. Yeah. Uh, Najee Harris at, uh, at 15. You've got their hopes uh, up, Luke. Be, You've gotten their hopes would up. Would be a great spot for Harris, let's be honest. He'd be the new D- Derrick Henry for Arthur Smith in, in Atlanta. Now with, with him as the head coach there after being the OC in Tennessee for the last couple of years. So I think that'd be a great fit, and Bucks fans would absolutely hate that for a while. Um, but, yeah, that's that's just why I see the Bucks as a potential trade-up candidate because, again, when you only have a few spots to, to mess with – and by moving up, you're getting a better player in theory, right? A player who can make it a more immediate impact, a guy with a higher ceiling and that sort of thing. I, I could definitely see them making a move if only to kind of <laughs> make it so they don't have to cut one or two more guys that they just drafted. Another player I want to get your take on is Micah Parsons. He's a guy that's getting mocked consistently in the top 10. You've kind of held him firm in your top 10 and your mock drafts, Luke. I mean, this is an interesting spot, not just the player, Micah Parsons, but the position, right? That position of inside linebacker, the investment of a top 10 pick in that position. Uh, it's a gamble. Let's just put it that way. If you go for it like the Bucks did with Devin White and you hit the home run, you look brilliant, right? But if you whiff on that thing, you could set your team back because that position, guys get injured a lot. A lot it's a high collision type of thing, right? I mean, there's also just a lot of turnover at linebackers. So it is definitely a gamble. But there always seems to be a linebacker, Luke, that goes in the top 10, right? Last year, it was Isaiah Simmons. I think a couple of years ago, it was Devin White and Devin Bush, right? If the Steelers were in the top 10, I think they were. They were around 10. Um, it's not like this never happens. There's usually an inside linebacker that goes in the top 10. I'm just not sure. if, like I'm Denver at number nine. Micah Parsons seems like it fits. He, he fits Denver's defense perfectly. But I don't know. Are you willing to risk going in for that position at number nine in the top 10 when there's top cornerbacks on the, you could have your pick of the top corners. That's a tough decision, right? I don't know. I, what do you think about the value of inside linebacker and making that call in the top 10? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, Devin white is the prime example that really changed my mind, not necessarily on, on the entire idea of it, because again, there's so many variables and you can't just say, because one guy succeeded, you can't use the exception to disprove the rule, right? So just because Devin white was successful at it, doesn't mean it's always going to work out that way. And I think, you bring up Isaiah Simmons, and I think he's the perfect example that shows you why, when it doesn't work out, one of the biggest reasons why that is is because you have got to have a plan for that guy. Yep. You have got to, if you're going to get the most out of, if you're going to get top five, top ten value out of an inside linebacker, it's going to be, it's only going to happen if you have a plan to unleash that player in a way in which he can impact the game at that level, right? You're not just going to sit him off the ball and tell him to cover all day and make some run stops. And that's, that's it. You're going to have to send him after the quarterback. Devin white had nine sacks this year. That's why he's worth a top five pick in retrospect. Right. And, and be honest, Bruce Arians said that point blank. Jason light said that 
when they drafted him and idiots like me were like, um, <laughs> I don't know about that inside linebacker at five. I just don't see the positional value with our nerd class. Positional on, value. Right? That's the term I was looking for. Positional he value. He hated it, man. He was so mad about it. And, and that's because he knew his defense better than I did. He understood. Listen, we have got a plan for this guy. I got this guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Todd Bowles. And he's really really good at defensive coordinating and attacking opposing offenses with really, you know, bold concepts and, and, you know, complicated uh, looks and stuff like that. So they went into picking Devin white. They fell in in love with him very early in the process. I'll be honest. Like they, they identified him very quickly, knew he was probably going to be there. So they kind of zeroed in on him really quickly. And they did that because they knew, Listen, we're going to deploy this particular player in a way that's not going to be the traditional inside linebacker. He's not going to do what people think is all that 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 position does, right? And obviously, year one, he started slow because he had the knee injury, but he really picked it up, you know, down the stretch. Year two, he was voted a captain and absolutely went on a tear. Again, nine sacks for an inside linebacker in about 140 tackles, and he missed the last game of the season, too. So he was really pissed about that, by the way. He wanted 10 sacks. He wanted he wanted a buck 50 in the tackle column. He was pretty upset oh, about yeah. that. But, 100%. I mean, but again, the other side of that coin is a guy like Isaiah Simmons, who, again, incredible athlete, just like Devin White was, right? But the Cardinals did not have that plan for him. The Cardinals did not have a clear understanding of what they wanted him to do in that offense. Is he a safety? Is he a hybrid guy? Is he a linebacker? What are we going to, and, and I think that has contributed to the fact that Isaiah Simmons has been crickets, you know, was as a rookie. I mean, didn't really move the needle a whole lot. He had a couple of big plays here and there, but for the most part, if you compare what he did as a rookie to what Devin White has done over the last two years, it's not even close. Right. And I think in my opinion, both great athletes, both tons of potential, both very aggressive defenders, but guys that if, if you don't have a plan for how you're going to unleash those guys, it, it will make it not worth it to take that guy. So if I'm, if I'm Denver and I fall in love with a guy who, again, has that same athletic profile, big, athletic, physical, very smart, great instincts, he's got all those physical tools, that's great. But I better have a plan that looks a lot more like what the Tampa Bay did with Devin White than what Arizona did with Isaiah Simmons last year. All right, well, in case you missed it, Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy, and something came out during one of his episodes about the NFC Championship game that uh, – Bucks fans probably enjoyed. We'll get to that coming up next. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? <laughs> that is a great question. Should, should be should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose. <laughs> So there's Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy, Luke. And, uh, well, I guess Packers fans got a breather from all the contract extension talks and that mystery of what's going on with Rodgers and his future with Jordan Love and all that. Well, a little breather because we're, we're getting two weeks of uh, Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy, right? So that had to make you laugh when you saw that thing pop up on uh, social media this week. Oh, it's glorious, right? I think that, it, you know, on one end, obviously, you have all the Packers fans saying, can you please never bring that up ever again? Yeah. Uh, and I think you could count Matt LaFleur in there too, right? Yeah. I think that he would love to never hear about that again. And I Tough think if you're decision. a Bucks fan, Tough decision if you're right a Bucks fan, you are rolling laughing, still being reminded of the fact that he took the ball away from Aaron Rodgers on fourth and goal. I, I, you can say what you want about whether or not he should have run for it or thrown a different pass or made a better play. I don't. I still like my chances giving that guy one more shot from the eight-yard line as opposed to telling that defense to stop Tom Brady 
with a couple of minutes left and not get let him get a couple first downs with Super Bowl on the line. Give me give me Aaron Rodgers one shot from from fourth and goal from the eight over over any of that. And Matt LaFleur fell victim to what I call um, Lane Kiffening himself, which is just overthinking the situation, plays over players instead of the other way around like it should be. And uh, much to uh, much to the delight of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have a Lombardi Trophy to show for it now. So, oh man, just just great. And obviously, you know, kudos to Rodgers for the way he responded because he did it in a hilarious professional way but still absolutely made it clear that he is still absolutely furious about that decision and is perfectly happy to deflect responsibility for it away from himself and toward the people who are actually responsible for it he is petty as heck when it comes to it and i am here for it oh he's the master of that right no he absolutely trolled his team there's no doubt about he trolled his coach he trolled his team it was hilarious it was all right, another big story that you know you really can't ignore with the Bucks right now, Luke, and I want to get your take on this is uh, Carlton Davis. Um, he now he's apologized for using an anti-Asian slur on Twitter. Uh, you could find the slur on Twitter if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, you know, you could delete a tweet, Luke, but it always it's going to live on forever. <laughs> you can't can't really delete a tweet nowadays, especially if you're a professional athlete. Um, I want to get your take on it, but basically. Just to recap, he said that he didn't really understand the negative connotations behind the word he used, but. When you tweet, got to stop letting blanks in Miami. I don't know. The phrasing of that is awkward. You're just asking for questions, and you're just asking. It's just not smart. It's not a good look. Yeah, I think that, you know, first of all, his response, I think, is is the best the best he could have possibly communicated it, right? He, he didn't shy away from it right away. I thought his first tweet was a little bit dismissive, uh, kind of putting the – the ball back in the reporter's courts, right? He was like, don't make this into a big story, blah, blah, blah. I thought that, you know, but he, he came back, or, you know, he, he responded to that very quickly and quickly understood the gravity, I think, of the situation. And I don't know if there was someone else who kind of got in his ear and was like, hey, actually, this is a really, really big deal. But I think after that, you know, he did as, as best he could to kind of explain where he's coming from. And obviously, you know, if you grow up in a certain area and you use certain words in certain ways, I, I can understand how that, situation arises right same yep. but i think that at the same time you know ignorance of the law is not necessarily a, an excuse you know if i don't know the speed limit is a certain thing and i'm still speeding you know it's my job to know those things and i, I can't really plead that ignorance if, if i end up making that mistake right and i think the way that applies to, to carlton davis is you know words and actions have an impact whether you intend them or not sometimes and i think good intentions aren't enough uh, when you do harm to other people with your words. And I think that, you know, the the Jason Light, the general manager, put out a statement about it. I thought what he said was very poignant about, you know, making sure that what are you going to do about it now, basically? You know, obviously you, you can't take back what you said. Now you have an understanding whether you understood it or not at the beginning. Now you know. And now it's incumbent upon you to, to go in and make things better. And again, this happens at a time when we're seeing a rise in the country and, and you know, violence against uh, Asian American people and, and that that in and of itself makes this a, a, a more you know pronounced issue when people are using words like this even out of ignorance so at the end of the day it makes it clear to all of us we need to continue to educate ourselves about this we need to let our actions back up our words Carlton Davis is a member of Tampa Bay's social justice board you know he, he's he's in, in a position of leadership and power in terms of helping people understand these types of things about his own community right so this is something that I think will absolutely resonate with him. I think he will understand the gravity of this and he will get out in front of it and continue to 
to let his actions follow his apology and follow his words. I hope that's what happens. Uh, you know, my interactions with Carlton have always been great. I think he's a, he's a great guy. And I think that this is just an example of the fact that this is something we all need to take to heart. We all need to understand that we can't just say things that we may not know the, the, the meaning yeah. behind. And then, you know, we've, we are all responsible for what comes out of our mouths and we got to make sure that, you know, when we do harm to people with the way we say things, we, we are quick to apologize. We're quick to make it right and make sure our actions follow those words. So uh, that's kind of what I hope to see from Carlton. Again, I, you know, in light of the, the things that have been going on in our country, I do think it's important to address it. I think he did it quickly. The team did it quickly. They didn't seem to shy away from it and, and, and try to bury it or pretend it wasn't a big deal. Uh, and I think that, you know, again, people will be watching. People will be watching to see if Carlton's willing to back up his words with actions. And hopefully that's what we see. Yeah, same. You know, he's definitely owned it. But at the end of the day, when I saw that tweet, I just thought, what are you doing, man? What's the point? What does it accomplish? Like, even if it came across exactly the way that you wanted it to, get off social media sometimes, you know, like these professional athletes. Like, just that one, I don't know if you had to tweet that one. I don't know if that one was, a you know, very interactive with the fans, I guess. I, don't I always say I've never I've never regretted not tweeting something. <laughs> exactly. That's a good one. I, I like that. I, I like that. Just that's that's what I always get to. If I'm if I'm on the fence about it at all before I press that button, just delete it. All right. Well, we've been talking all off season about the Bucks getting the band back together, about how all 22 starters from the Super Bowl could be back on the field in Week One this year, and we now know that at least one player has not been digging all that chatter, and that is Antonio Brown. Now, AB posted on his Instagram about that very thing about the 22 starters in the Super Bowl being back, and then he commented on his own post. And just wrote sign AB. So Antonio Brown would like the Bucks to bring him back, uh, but it sounds like the two sides are not real close financially, Luke. So what do you think? Is uh, AB back to the Bucks and the Cards? I mean, I think that's up to him. I think that whoever's advising him needs to understand that the Bucks don't have a lot of money to play with, and if he wants to come back and be a part of the band, that's great and all. But he ain't going to get paid what he seems to think he's worth. And again, he's he's what thirty two, thirty three. Yeah, I mean, he's not he's not getting faster. He's not getting, you know, again, his experience is great. And he obviously, you know, understands the game in a way because of that experience that a lot of younger guys can't. But he's not getting better at the position, I don't think. I, I don't think that you're improving. So when you're looking around and you're seeing all these other guys make deals, and again, when I set out in, the, in free agency, I wrote multiple articles for Buckswire about the important priorities and, and ranking those players, those free agents that the Bucks had to rank. And he was always either last or not on the list. And I thought, you know, that's for two reasons. One, I thought that at the end of the day, he was probably going to want to parlay his season into more money in a bigger role elsewhere because he's, he's, he's not going to jump Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the depth chart. And he, you know, was barely out playing Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, two young guys who are getting better. So, it wouldn't surprise me if he would be somewhere else. But also, I knew the fact that if somebody was going to lose out after all the money was spent, it was going to be the 32-year-old wide receiver. It wasn't going to be Shaq Barrett. It wasn't going to be Godwin. It wasn't going to be even, you know, Leonard Fournette, which, you know, I think he – I expected him to go elsewhere, but he didn't find much of a market. So he came back for very little money considering what he just did in the playoffs because he understood – hey, if I'm not going to get much, I might as well take a little bit less than not much to come back and try to win another Super Bowl. I just don't know if AB's ego is going to let him do that, but I kind of saw this coming, man. I thought he was the least likely to return and the least important to their repeat bid. That's Luke Easterling right there. Appreciate you and the knowledge, man. Catch him on the Bucks wire, on the draft wire, on the USA Today Network. Always good, man. Stay well, all right? Hey, you do the same, Ryan. Always a good time, buddy. 
This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.